Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped through the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. And now for this week's message. Well, we're going to talk this morning about being called to be generous. Like I mentioned, it doesn't come naturally, but we want to answer the call. There's a memory verse in your notes, and so take those notes out if you have them, because as a church, it's a whole year about being devoted, and one of the things we're devoted to is God's Word, and we're memorizing Scripture throughout the year. Every month we get a verse in your bulletin there's a verse for the month and then we also give you a weekly verse so if you want to memorize a verse every week you can do that now you don't have to memorize the particular translation we give to you somebody was wondering whether or not do i have to do niv do i have to do king james message bible which you can pick whatever translation you want that's not the deal the deal is to pick something that works for you that you can remember that it it, is something that you can use especially when you need to uh, speak it and speak faith into your life so second corinthians chapter 8 verse 7 is a memory verse for today but just as you excel in everything You're excelling in everything, and Paul's encouraging you. You're doing great in a lot of things, in your faith, in your speech, in your knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. You guys are doing great. So Paul's encouraging them. Yeah, you're doing great. Then he goes on to say, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. And to give, there's a grace on your life to give. Uh, Without the grace, it just becomes a works thing. But when there's a grace in your life, and we live under this age of grace, thanks to Christ, when it's done by grace, not by works, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I think the most exciting life to live is a life of a giver. The most miserable life is a a life of a miser. Actually, that word miser is the root word for the word miserable. And typically, people that are hold on to the things really tightly, don't release them, you'll typically find them to be miserable people. And you'll find generous people to be happy people. And there's something to that. So we're going to look at, again, the call to be generous. Last week, we talked about the Good Samaritan. I just want to touch on something there from the Good Samaritan story for a bit. There's kind of three sets of characters. We have the robbers in that story. And we learn from them that they had a greedy attitude. And in that greedy attitude, here's their philosophy of life. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. That's the greedy attitude. We don't want the greedy attitude. Then we also learn from the religious people in that story, the priest and the Levite, who walked by the Good Samaritan, didn't do anything about that. They had what we call a selfish attitude. What's mine is yours, and I'm, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Greedy attitude, selfish attitude. And then, of course, there's a Good Samaritan. That's where we want to end up. He had the generous attitude, and his attitude is what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it to you. And that's where we want to be, with a generous attitude. By the way, folks, you knew, though, right, that you don't get to take any of it with you to heaven. You can't put it in a U-Haul, and and, uh, I've never been to a funeral yet where there's U-Haul parked out front. It just—it doesn't work that way. Uh, You you don't get to take it with you. And so we want to live with a generous attitude. Now, at the end of the story of the Good Samaritan, he's talking to a lawyer, and at the end of the story, he turns to the lawyer and he says to him, Now, you tell me, lawyer— who was the good neighbor? Who was the right neighbor? Who, who did the right thing? And he says, well, it was the Samaritan who did the right thing. And then Jesus turns and says to him, now you go and do likewise. Folks, that's his message to us this morning. You go and do likewise. What is that? That's a call to be generous. If Jesus is the Lord of our life, he calls us to be generous. And just like he did for Tina 
in that opportunity with this little Mia, he gives us opportunities to be generous. There's no shortage of opportunities to be generous. And I think our Christian life is most fulfilled, most exciting when we respond to the call of being generous. And sometimes it's not, it's just in that moment. Remember in that story, she had that little window of time where she could go and make a difference for that lady. I find often our opportunities to be generous are just in that little window of time. And, we, and it's just a little nudge, a little prompting, and it's in that moment that we need to be ready to respond. And that leads us to another part of being generous, because being generous is all about the heart, because your brain will talk you out of it. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you want to be a generous person and live that way and answer the call to it, he's going to call you in your heart and say, will you be generous? Would you respond to this? Now, your brain, your mind, you can say, well, let me put this on a spreadsheet and you can talk yourself out of it. But if you'll respond to that call, you'll find that God will open up doors for you and he will again honor you as you are generous. A couple of verses that are in your notes, Proverbs eleven twenty five. We could give you lots of verses. There are literally hundreds of verses in the scriptures about being generous. But here's one, Proverbs eleven twenty five: A generous person will be made rich, and whoever satisfies others will himself be satisfied. There's this principle, as you help others, it ends up coming back to you. Psalm 112, verse 5, the good person is generous and lends lavishly. The good person is generous and lends lavishly. Acts 20, 35. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Matthew 6, 21, I think it's in your notes as well. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would you say that verse with me this morning? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just take a moment and notice what comes first. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Sometimes, and I've done this, sometimes we've flipped it around and we said, where your heart is, there your treasure is. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, no, no, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will end up being. Now think about it. If you take some money and you invest it into some stocks, if you had $10,000 and you invested into Apple computers in 1999, you would be following Apple stock and you'd be pretty happy about it. Your heart would be in that. Wherever you invested your money, that's where you'll spend your time. If you invest a lot of money into a boat or if you spend a lot, invest a lot of money into family, invest, wherever you invest your money, your heart ends up being there. Wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart will be. Your heart follows your treasure. And this is what the Lord said. Where you put your treasure, that's where your heart's going to be. Sometimes we've had people come up to us and say, oh, man, I just wish I could. I, had, I wish I had the fire of God in me like that person does. I wish I was hungry and, had, and, and God would speak to me like he does to that person and, and so forth. And sometimes I'm wondering and sometimes ask the person, well, is your treasure there? Because if your treasure's in God, your heart will be there. If your treasure's in God's house, you'll find your heart will be there. So it's a heart issue Responding to the call is a heart issue. I have uh, Luke 6, 37, 38 in your notes, and uh, I gave it to you in the New King James Version and also the Message Bible, and uh, this is a familiar passage. So let me read out of the message first, and we'll go back to the other translation. Luke 6, 37, 38. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That's a pretty good verse, right? 
Don't pick on people. That's a good verse for bullying. Don't bully people. Okay, going on. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people and you'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. You know, again, in that video, as Ron and Tina gave away their life, really empty nesters are now to adopt a child, you would think that their life would be harder, but they got more life back. It was because they responded. Now, that might not be for you, but it was for them. And what might be for you wouldn't be for them. But as you give your life away, life comes back to you. That's what Jesus is saying here. Give away your life, you'll find life given back, and not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Now, going to the other translation, it says here, judge not and you'll not be judged. Condemn not and you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and put into your bosom. But the same measure you use... If you use a teaspoon, you get a teaspoon back. If you use a shovel, you get a shovel back. If you use a wheelbarrow, you get a wheelbarrow back. This is how simple it is. With the measure that you use, it shall be measured back to you. The parallel passage for this is in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew also records it. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew chapter 7. There's a parallel passage here. Basically the same thing. And I just want just for the sake of making a point, I'll read out of Matthew's account as well, Matthew chapter 7, where it says, judge not that you may not be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you used, it will be measured back to you. And let me, let me just read it again for really slow, and listen for the word judge. Judge not, you'll not be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure used, it'll be measured back to you. So this passage, and also that passage that we just read out of Luke, it's about judging. The primary text is not about giving, but it applies to giving. This thing works for anything in life. If I'm critical of others, it comes back to me. If I'm forgiving of others, it comes back to me. But it can also be applied, of course, to our monetary giving. If I'm generous, it'll come back to me. So we've got to be careful of that because sometimes people just take that one verse out of Luke and they'll use it just for a giving context. But it's a bigger context. We want to have the, the scriptures that, that go around it. This act of generosity is not just being generous financially. Here in the story of Ron and Tina, this was generosity. Of course, finances to raise a child, but it was generous with her time and generous with a whole bunch of things. We can be generous in so many ways in our life. Sometimes it's called to be generous is just to take time with a, a niece or a nephew. It could be time with somebody else. If you're a life group leader, you are generous. If you're a life group host, we celebrate. You're generous because every week you open up your home. That's huge generosity. So you can be generous in many different ways. But I really think and want to stress a point again, God calls us to be generous. It's in our DNA. And it's, it's because he knows, one, we're better for it. Now, I'm not, he doesn't ask us to give just so we can get. That's, it's, I want to give and be generous just to give and be generous. Because I, it's not about me, it's about that other person. So we, I think God blesses us because we give with the right heart. I think he can sense and smell out a wrong motive. Oh, look at this verse. I can manipulate God. If I put this, then ka-ching, 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 he's got to give this back to me. 
I don't think that's the way it works. I think God blesses us when our heart is there. Oh, God, I really have this person on my heart, and I want to do this. I want to be obedient. Generosity is always linked to obedience, and I want to be obedient in this. Uh, yeah. I, I want to give you a couple points out of a book called The Blessed Life. And uh, I don't often do this, but there's sometimes that a church or an individual, they'll have a message that goes beyond their church and it's for the body of Christ. Typically, when we prepare a message, I prepare a message, I, I'll pray and study and you read and you go through the scriptures and you put in your own blender and, and then you, you work on it for hours and then, you, you, then this message for your congregation comes. But I think sometimes there's a message that God has for a church, but it's not just for the church, it's for the body of Christ. And this book, The Blessed Life, Robert Morris, he says, I've written a number of books, but this book, I sat down and wrote in a few hours, and really, it became a number one seller because it wasn't just for his church, it was for many churches, and it was called The Blessed Life. And he uses as his text, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 to 15. So, if you have your Bibles, look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, 7 to 15. And would you say with me this morning, thank you, Lord, for the book of Deuteronomy. Now, you may not, may, Deuteronomy may not be your favorite book, but it's a good book. It's a great book to read. And the principles that we have in Deuteronomy chapter 15 can be applied to our life when it comes to generosity. Sometimes when we read the Old Testament, or a few months ago now, we memorized the Ten Commandments. You still remember the Ten Commandments? We, maybe we need to do a review of the Ten Commandments. We're learning the Ten Commandments, books of the Bible, and so forth this year because we're devoted to His Word. Sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we think, well... But that's the law. How does it apply to me? And so how come those laws don't apply to me and this laws apply to me? How come I have to memorize the Ten Commandments, but there's some other stuff in the Old Testament that doesn't apply? I'm confused. Which applies and which doesn't apply? Has anybody had that question? Uh, John Stott, a great scholar, biblical scholar, he said this. And help me, maybe it'll help you, because we're going into Deuteronomy, the Old Testament. But he said this, it is well known that the Reformers divided the law into three parts. We're going to go into this area of the Bible. He said, civil, ceremonial, and moral. The division is not watertight, and it is being criticized today because of the overlap. Nevertheless, the distinction between the three is vital. The ceremonial laws are now obsolete. So you'll read ceremonial laws in the Old Testament, but they're obsolete because of what Christ did. Then he also says, the dietary laws have been abolished by Jesus and the sacrifices fulfilled in his death. So those sacrifices, they're fulfilled in Christ. We don't do them anymore. The civil laws are not necessarily appropriate to other nations. In the Old Testament there, God gave Israel certain civil laws, laws of the land to govern that nation at that time. Some of them may apply to Canada today, but some of them don't apply. So sometimes you'll have somebody take a verse out of context, the Old Testament, and say, oh, you look what you Christians believe. Yes, well, that was for that nation at that time, how they're to rule their country. It doesn't apply today. It's a civil law for that time. Then he goes on to say, some of these laws were humane, others severe. There's, they seem to have been necessary for the earlier stages of Israel's history, but they're not all permanent or universally valid. So that helps us in our context. So as we go to Deuteronomy chapter 15 here today, we're going to see that there are some certain laws on how to treat the poor. We don't have that law in our land today. The law of the land at that time was after seven years, you canceled all the debts. So if a Christian uh, 
owed me some money. After seven years, I forgive him the debt. He doesn't owe me the money anymore. And how many would like to have that law kind of reintroduced in Canada? Anybody, everybody with debt says, yeah, I'm for that. Seven years, wipe out my visa bill. The last year, let's run it up. Because <laughs> so, but anyhow, that law is not in Canada. But at the time, God knew that that nation needed it, okay? So this is where we're going in Deuteronomy chapter 15. But we learn here some great principles of how to be generous with our heart. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter seven, if you, or 15, verse 7, if you have your notes and your Bibles. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart. So if there's somebody poor, somebody in need, this is huge. God says, don't harden your heart. It's possible for us to get jaded and have our hearts hardened. In a city, in an urban world where we got surrounded by so many needs, it's possible that our hearts can become hardened. And this is the instruction, don't harden your heart. But you shall, have, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, not, not begrudgingly, oh, I have to do this. So willingly, out of your heart you want to do this, lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing and cry out to the Lord against you, and it become a sin among you. He said it would be an evil thing for you to say, well, the seventh year is almost here, so I'm going to have this wicked thought and I I won't repay him or whatever. So be careful about that. Again, this is heart issues. Then verse 10, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Your heart shouldn't be grieved when you give. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and to all to which you put your hand. Where you work, where you put your hand, your company, your business, your bank account can be blessed, but it's tied to your generosity and what's coming out of your heart. Then in verse number 11, for the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, to your needy, and in your land. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold to you and serves for six years and the seventh years, you shall let him go free from you and you shall send him away free from you and you shall not let him go away empty handed. You shall supply him liberally or generously from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, and you shall give to him. It's a calling to be generous here in Deuteronomy. Verse 15, very important one. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. This sounds like a really strong call to be generous. And I think today, God also is calling us to be generous to those around us. So, let's deal with four points. And in his book, Robert Morris brings out these four points. So, number one, and again, it's a great shout-out for a book. And I didn't, I didn't rechange it. I, didn't, I just took it exactly the way he had it because I think he really put it together great for us. So, number one, if you're filling the blanks, you have to deal. This passage deals with a selfish heart. Verse 9 deals with a selfish heart. Beware unless you have this selfish, wicked thought. Naturally, we can be a selfish person. So we want to deal with it when our hearts become selfish. Deal with that. Work through it. God didn't give us that kind of a spirit. There's a spirit of generosity on the inside of us. Secondly, we want to deal with a grieving heart. Verse 10, he said, don't let your heart grieve when you've given. Now, here's an interesting thing. Before we give, we're selfish, right? Oh, I don't know. 
if I, if I do that, will I have enough? If I do that, what about me? It's selfish, it's about me. Remember at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love seeks not its own. Love is not about me. What can I do to help somebody else? So again, because God's love's poured into our heart, we, we're not selfish. We're going to look at other people. But before we give, we wrestle with being selfish. Then after we give, you know what we wrestle with? Oh, man, why did I do that? Whew. Now, I, I really missed that $1,000. I gave him $1,000 or I did that. Oh, man, what could I have done? Have you ever given something sacrificially, given to the church? You given an offering? Maybe it was your tithes or over and above that, you gave to a missions project and you come away and go, man, something goes wrong. Oh, man, I should have kept that. I, I could have used that. Now I got this coming. And, you, and, you, and you're kind of grieved that you gave. God says, don't grieve after you gave. Why? Because he knows it's going to be okay. He's, he's watching over your giving. We, we can tend to do that. Um, i got to watch my time here. Um, I almost missed it, you know. We're, we're going to London to the Holy Trinity's, uh, the Alpha Conference today, the Leadership Conference. Last night, I'm printing out my tickets. Only so you print your tickets in advance so you can get through quicker. I print out my tickets. And I'm thinking, folks, I really need this conference on the brain, switching on the brain, because I'm thinking, somehow I got the idea my flight left at three, and I'm reading my ticket, and I'm putting my suitcase, got everything all planned out, everything's all arranged with staff and everything, and I had this little prompting from the Holy Spirit, look at your ticket again, and I go back and look at the ticket, and the boarding is at 1230. I go, oh dear, (laughs) I have a problem here, because I'm planning to speak at the 11 o'clock service, and so... Anyhow, I've been, uh, uh, I was just looking at my clock and thinking about catching a cab and thinking, you know, did I have some money for the cab in my pocket? Because <laughs> I should probably have uh, some money in my, in my, in my, you have some money. <laughs> Crystal, thank you. That, that'll, that'll cover it. Thank you. <laughs> you're, 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 you're called to give, I guess. <laughs> that was tremendous. Thank you. Mm. Now, now, let's take a look at this, because she just gave, right? That's pretty good. It's a good example right here. And now she's grieving. She, I got to give my $50. <laughs> I was going to go for lunch with that myself. But Crystal, are you grieving? She's not grieving. You know why she's not grieving? I gave her the $50. $50 is actually mine. I gave to her. I set this whole thing up. But here's the point. And there is a point in this story. The point is, all your money, God gave to you. So why are you grieving when he asks you to give it? That's a good illustration. And I didn't think of it. Robert Morris thought of it. But anyhow, it's a good illustration. Because everything we have, James makes it very clear. Every gift comes down from your Father above. And when he asks us to give something, it's always an act of faith and trust. Because when we give something, we're thinking, but God, how am I going to get along without this? And that's where he said, God, okay, I trust you. If you've asked me to give it, then everything's going to be okay. So it's an act of faith, an act of trust to give. And he doesn't want us to give with a grieving heart because that doesn't sound like faith. 
Without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. But when we're giving with a happy heart, a generous heart, really it's a sweet smell of aroma to God. Oh, yes, they trust me. They know even though they're missing their $50, it's going to be okay. I will supply all their needs. And now you've entered a very exciting zone to live in. The zone where you see God providing for you, living this life of being a conduit, a channel of what God's given to you. It's the most exciting life to live. And I I don't think every believer uh, walks in that, but every believer can walk in that where we just live this life of generosity. All right. The, The next one is develop a generous heart. In verse 14, reading it again, it says, and you shall supply him liberally, you shall supply him generously. And that word develop a generous heart, develop. This does not happen overnight. It takes time to develop a generous heart. You have to learn, work at it, respond to it. Sometimes we've missed it. And I go back and say, man, I can't believe I missed that. I should have responded to that, and I didn't respond to that. But next time I'll do better. And you learn to develop a generous heart. And really, again, it's learning to listen to that Holy Spirit prompting you as He has uh, and giving you opportunity to give. We want to develop the generous heart. Take some time. There's a great verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. And if you have your Bibles, turn over there with me. I don't have it in your notes, but you can put this verse on the side. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. It's kind of a cool verse because a lot of times what you'll hear is somebody in a church service and they'll be saying, oh, can you please give to this? And I've been in some services. We don't try to do that here. It kind of turns me off when somebody really pleads and, and, and begs for money from, from the podium or from a from a uh, for a church event. I, I think if God's in it, He'll supply. You don't have to beg and pull and plead. Uh, but this, this chapter here is actually the opposite. It's quite surprising. And uh, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. I'll read it out of the Message Bible. It kind of brings it more alive. It says, Now, friends, verse 1, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Fierce troubles come down on the people of those churches pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. They're poor. They're under pressure. They're going through hard times financially. And Paul said, I was shocked, but their true colors came out because they were incredibly generous. Verse 3 says, I saw... I was there and saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford. Pleading. Look at this. Pleading. Another translation says imploring. Another translation says begging. Begging us for the privilege of helping out in the relief of the poor Christians. They didn't have enough themselves, but they went to the Paul instead of saying, Oh, can you please give to the church in Jerusalem? Please, I'm begging you, please. If you don't, this ministry is going to die, blah, 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 blah. That's not what they're doing. They went out and they said, Can we please, we're begging you, can we please have an opportunity to give into this? Wow, that's a generous heart. What an example of generosity, the way they did that. Hmm. Number four, develop a grateful heart. Develop a generous heart, grateful heart. This is important. If you're putting the blanks, the word is a grateful heart. Verse 15, a grateful heart back in Deuteronomy. And uh, this applies for all of us here today. You shall remember. You shall remember. Why do we have communion once a month? Because we remember what Christ did for us. Amen? We remember. He said, lest you forget, every month do this. Remember it. Here he says, I'm reminding you about something. Because you were 
captive in Egypt, and I took you out of captivity. You were in chains. You couldn't be generous. But I took you out of a place that was a, a place of bondage, and I brought you to a place of freedom. And one of the things that should help us to remember to give is when we think about where was I before. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we don't, we, we, like Paul, we're looking forward, not backwards. But I think it's sometimes good to remember what I came from. What, what, what life was like before I had Christ. What it was like to have my mind tormented. What it was like to be in chains. What it was like to be oppressed. What it was like, and that, oh yeah, God, what did you do for me? Far be it for me not to be generous and help other people. You cannot give, especially to the work of God, and not see people's lives set free. Uh, what was it? Just uh, last week we had water baptism. Was that last week? Yes. Time goes by quick. Or is it two weeks ago? Whatever. Where's baptism? First Saturday of May. Yeah, it was last week. And uh, when, when you see those results, oh, God, I want to be generous. I want to have a part of it. So, anyhow, back to verse number 15. Here it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. Another verse to write on the side, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Let's, listen to what it says here. But you are a chosen generation. Chosen. You're a royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. Look at your person beside you and say, you're special. In a good way, you're special. <laughs> you're special. You're holy. You're royal. This is what he calls us. He calls us this. His own special people. That, why? That you might proclaim the praises of him who what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One of the things that should propel us to be generous is because we remember where we came from. I was once lost, and now I'm found. I was once in darkness, but now I found the light. Wow. Folks, we are called to be generous. And I pray as you go through this week that you respond to that little nudge, a little tugging to be generous in your life, however God asks you to do that. Thanks so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to live a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.